This podcast was brought to you by AIMA, the Australasian Integrative Medicine Association, and James Maskell, the creator of FunctionalForum.com. This is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Joining us all the way from the USA is James Maskell. He's a creator of Functional Forum, the world's largest integrative medicine conference. He lectures internationally and has been featured on TEDMED, HuffPost Live, TEDx and more, and is a contributor to many major news outlets. His organisation and book of the same name, The Evolution of Medicine, prepares doctors for the next era of predictive, preventive, personalised and participatory medicine. Now, I've got to mention that James will be uh, speaking in Australia um, for AMA, or in conjunction with AMA, a subject called The Future of Medicine with James Maskell and the Functional Micropractice. That'll be at the Redfern Town Hall on March the 25th in Sydney, 2017. You can look this up on the website, thefutureofmedicine.eventbrite.com.au. He'll also be speaking at a tech conference in Brisbane later called Myriad Live, Reducing Healthcare Costs is the Next Trillion Dollar Opportunity. And you can look that one up on Myriad, M-Y-R-I-A-D, Live. That'll be from March 29 to 31 in Brisbane. I invite all natural health practitioners to attend either of those two events. And I'd like to warmly welcome you, James, to FX Medicine. How are you? Uh, thanks so much. Great to be here with you. And uh, yeah, it's a rainy day in Venice Beach, California, but I bet it's a sunny day wherever you are. Well, I wouldn't know because it's only 6.17 here. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's going to be a nice sunny day in Sydney, though. So, now, you, uh, James, you've been described as the most influential non-physician promoter in the industry. So let's start with this. Why the passion? Because from my perspective, both in America, I mean, that's really on its knees, but even in Australia, Medicare system, it's broken. It doesn't work. It's not, it, the way that we're aging with our chronic diseases, it just can't keep pace. So tell us about your background and how you came to be in this world of functional medicine. Absolutely. Yeah. So look, the, the passion developed over time. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, I was the weird kid at school that did natural medicine. Like I didn't really have any choice in it. Uh, I was, uh, I had a chiropractor growing up and a homeopath. I think I might've been the only kid in school who, you know, who had, who knew what a chiropractor was. Um, I was the only kid who, whose parents had to be called if I, they were going to administer antibiotics because my parents were somehow like up on, uh, up on antibiotic resistance in 1980. Oh, um, wow. and so, you know, that, that was like the beginning of my, um, you know, beginning of my world, just sort of, that was the healthcare that I received. I ended up uh, sort of having a rebellious phase where I thought I needed to be an investment banker. And my degree was in uh, health economics or economics with a health, um, 
you know, a health vantage point. And that's really when I started to see that there was a huge problem that was looming. And America was sort of like this embarrassing case example of a country that was putting more and more money, ever more money into their medical system and getting, you know, not even slight, you know, not even better results. Actually, the results were starting to drop off. And it was, it was an interesting case study. And, um, about six months into being an investment banker, I got a job straight out of university. Um, my only stop between school and university was coming to Australia for the 2003 Rugby World Cup. And I, where I started in 2004, within basically six months, I realized I was sort of playing for the wrong team. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I, I was good at a few different things. I didn't want to just be a numbers guy. And my cousin convinced me to come and work for him in America. So I moved out there. Uh, my first job was actually working in a clinic, and, and it was it was an amazing starting point to my career because to this day, it's still the best-run clinic that I've ever seen. Um, you know, the spa industry was about 10 years ahead of the integrated medicine industry and in working out some of the core processes of running a practice, um, everything from how to deal with independent contractors to retail to, you know, systems for answering the phone and rebooking and all that stuff. So I got a great training there. And then um, I became a sales rep and I was selling essentially to this practitioner community. I was a supplement sales rep. So I went from trading floor to supplement sales rep on commission, which is not uh, a classic um, you know, journey, uh, a professional journey. But I, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I just had a feeling that something that I learned uh, you know, from my childhood could have an impact on, on, you know, on health and, and this, particularly this cost issue. So, you know, that was the beginning of it. I was a sales rep for a number of years. I, I started a practice management company because very soon I realized that, you know, physician or, or clinician entrepreneurship was a bit of a shaky bet. You know, all these doctors and practitioners starting to do integrated medicine, you know, because of a moral obligation that they feel to deliver this type of care, but were typically hamstrung by the fact that in order to do it, they would have to be in private practice. And that came with all of the headaches of actually being in business, marketing, organizing, all the stuff that, you know, that the healers are not predisposed to. And so we started a practice management company. My wife started a company making websites for doctors. And so we started to get really involved in the non-clinical aspects of, of building a practice. And that sort of all continued on. And, 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 and then in 2014, we started the Functional Forum. And it was really born out of an idea that you know, I wanted to bring the community of practitioners together. Um, I had been to a meetup for practitioners in um, in Los Angeles, and I saw how well attended it was, how valuable it was to everyone, and there had never been anything like that in New York. And so we, we started to put that together. And then, you know, the, the, the content was a, essentially a show. And, and the reason why we why we came up with this this concept is what I saw we called it the functional forum because, you know, the, of the functional medicine operating system. It's got a lot of, lot of uh, momentum here. Um, but what we what we really did with the forum was really to take content that had previously been behind a paywall. Mm. Like the only way that you could ever learn about functional medicine was to go to a conference, pay the cost, fly out to the hotel, sit in the hotel, and listen to the content live. Maybe you could buy the recording, but that was it. There was no free video content online. Wow. And so that's how the, you know, how the forum really took off because we made, we got all the best speakers in functional medicine. We got a lot of new young doctors. We tried to feature doctors who were examples of, you know, doctors who had made the switch to integrative and functional medicine. And, you know, that's how it started. And now we're, 
we've had an episode every month for the last three years, and we're I think we're thirty seven episodes in right now. And uh, it's been a been an amazing run. You know what I think is interesting is whenever I speak to integrative GPs, most of them were not integrative when they started. Most of them were just normal GPs. Like I am a registered nurse. I actually did not believe in any natural medicine. Thought it was all hocus pocus. And I was rather vehement about that. <laughs> I actually had to apologize yep. to a friend whose mother was a naturopath because I used to rib her when I'd come home from holidays from when I was in my registered nursing training. And so I'm a total turncoat. But what I think is interesting about these GPs is they were all dissatisfied in their normal, everyday standard um, orthodox practice of medicine. They were dissatisfied with the results that they were seeing with what I'm going to quote unquote standard medicine. They just weren't satisfied with the results that people would, they were giving them X drug, which was in the guidelines. And yet that patient, Mrs. Jones was coming back and say, you know what, it's, it's not working. I still feel rotten. What, and so they, there's this group that are searchers. And what I, what I find is interesting is GPs that have embraced, because of frustrations, they've embraced integrative medicine, they get satisfaction now. And that's one of the big drivers in their lives is the satisfaction that they get of seeing somebody saying, thank you so much for that different approach. And it's not just throwing out the old, it's saying, well, what can that give me and what doesn't it do? And then how can I augment that with other things that are safe and, and sort of fill in the holes of, of you know, what, north of what I call orthodox medicine doesn't do? But you describe that this can have its own inherent problems uh, about profitability going down. Is that right? Well, look, you know, you, that's the thing. I mean, what, what typically happens is this. Someone has this moment of clarity, either through a frustration of their current um, of what they're doing or out of a sudden uh, realization, let's say either themselves or a family member yeah. or a patient, yeah. you know, doesn't, doesn't get well. And now they're forced into going in this direction and then they see it work. And then they're like, okay, I'm going to have to pay attention to this. Like, you know, this is something I have to pay attention to. And then, you know, in the, you know, and then the next step is, okay, I want to work out how to practice this. And the, the thing is that this is the the era that I've described here is I call functional medicine 1.0, right? Where the only doctors that were doing it or practitioners that were doing it were ones that had found it, that, you know, that they had this moral obligation to practice it and then just tried to work it out, right? They would start their practice. They realized they need to spend a little bit more time. They realized maybe they need to have some supplements in the office, They you know, and they just trying to work it out. But very quickly, what you see is that if you're going to spend exponentially more time with patients, you know, it's going to be tricky to be able to deliver that kind of care in the same environment as you were delivering your previous type of care. And so that's, you know, that's been one of the problems that, that we've seen is that, you know, when you move from a type of medicine that's ultimately driven by the doctor, right, where the doctor is in control, they're the ones who have the bag of tricks, and they're the ones that can, you know, be the hero in the story, you know, that's easy to do more efficiently because you can come in, you can listen for about two minutes until you hear what's wrong and you can give a drug and you can move on to the next person. Mm -hmm. If you really want to do root cause resolution medicine, if you really want to have the patient be participatory and, and actually take action to solve their problem, 
you need a new different type of system. Yeah. And so the era that I think we're moving into right now is what I'm calling functional medicine 2.0, which is where there are enough examples of successful practices that we can see how to run this kind of business and create efficiency in it so that doctors can run an efficient practice. They don't have to have all the headaches of, you know, um, making less money or, or, you know, having a, a system that's not really organized and technology is arriving just at the same time to be able to facilitate that transformation. And that's the, that's what we're interested in. How can we make it exponentially easier for any doctor to switch to a functional medicine practice and be truly successful in building a practice? And there's a combination of different things happening at the same time, a convergence of factors that are making that possible. And that's what we're documenting in my book and, and in the in the movement in general. Fantastic. Now, the book, The Evolution of Medicine, uh, before I ask you about that, I just want to give a shout out to three people that I really have, they've inspired me because I think what you're talking about is not just financial success, but a true ethical satisfaction success in building a a practice which actually helps people. So I want to give a shout out to these Australian practitioners who have inspired me. Keone Moore, Tammy Guest, Helen Patteron. Hi, homie. Um, I want to give a shout out to those three incredible women who actually do these sort of tutoring of businesses, helping other practitioners to grow their practices ethically and honourably for the for the health of the patients and being financial along the way. And so I'm going to ask you about your book, The Evolution of Medicine. What's this all about? Yeah, look, and, and I, you know, I, I, those three providers that you're talking about, anyone that's helping the, the sort of next era of providers make it easy for them to be successful, I mean, that's what Functional Medicine 2.0 is all about. It's yeah. like the first round of people have worked it out. They've taken, you know, they've, they've just gone in, tried things, see what's worked and getting there. So, you know, in the evolution of medicine, the purpose of the book and the reason why I wrote the book is, you know, we, we've had 36 episodes. I've done over a hundred podcasts. I've interviewed all the top people in functional medicine and people outside of functional medicine who are sort of relevant to the conversation. And I guess what I wanted to do was just to create an asset that I could give to any doctor who's not in, well, if I give it to a functional medicine doctor, that they would get a lot of value from it in learning how to build this kind of practice model that we're talking about. But more than that, the, the real goal of the book was to create an asset that I could give to a regular GP and say, here, read this, and that I would maximize the chance that after reading it, they would want to say, okay, I want to build that kind of practice. Fantastic. And so that's the evolution of medicine. It's, it's a hero's journey. So it's a hero's journey for doctors. It's, you know, it's a, a, the first part of it is essentially you know, feeling, you know, getting the moral obligation to practice this type of medicine. And then the second half is really about the final test, which is how do I, how do I build a successful practice? And, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a great hit. Uh, we, you know, we just, I just looked to sort of organize all of the stories that we'd had into something that could convince doctors that they needed to practice this new, um, operating system of medicine because, you know, it, like exactly what you said, we are in a in a moment in history where no one really knows how to deal with this you know epidemic of of chronic lifestyle driven disease. The name, the evolution of medicine, is really all about how medicine is adapting 
to its new environment. And its new environment is non-communicable disease. Medicine was created in an era of communicable disease. And so all the systems that we have, the fact that like we react to a symptom, a symptom occurs, and then the system kicks in is just one example, or the the doctors, the center of the of the process, you know, all of those things came about basically, you know, um, reacting to like infections where the doctor has the tools and, you know, you need something to happen for you to react to. Now we have this, you know, what we've described here in the evolution of medicine is medicine adapting to its new environment. And I believe that the shortest path to a medical system that is is capable of dealing with non-communicable disease is the functional medicine micropractice. And essentially in that book, we sort of talk about why that is, why it's necessary, why we need this type of medicine in this era, and then how any doctor can build a successful practice, um, you know, delivering this type of care within the, in the lowest overhead possible environment and, you know, creating structures that make it available to not just the very rich, but to every American, every Australian, and every person walking the planet. Mm. And I, I've got to say, I love this synergy that, that AIM has picked up on with you. So, you know, you've got the book that the skeptic, let's say the skeptical but interested GP might say, okay, I need to pick up this evolution of medicine book. But then they need to be trained in that. And that's one of the things that the Australasian Integrative Medicine Association does, AIMA.net.au. So get in contact with them if you're a GP who wishes to embark on a new journey of satisfaction in your, in your functional medicine and to learn about functional medicine. There's also ACNEM as well. Um, so you mentioned in your book that you feel that functional medicine, as opposed to integrative medicine, would be the operating system of the future of medicine. What's the difference as f- from functional as opposed to yeah. integrative well, look, what, what I, the reason why, you know, in my book, I go through this, you know, very piece by piece, like in my mind, functional medicine is, is, a is a way of organizing integrative medicine. You know, integrative medicine is just talking about the different, the, the combination of standard of care and non-standard of care intervention. Right. And that's integrative medicine. What is needed and what, you know, it, it's not clear to me at this point that two Two things I have problems with with integrated medicine. One is like, can you reproduce this? Like, can can you teach a doctor to deliver it quickly? Like, you know, what you see in America is you have lots of integrated medicine gurus, and they all do integrated medicine, but they all practice differently. Yeah. And so, is there a reproducible system to be able to scale up? If you suddenly realize, hey, we need a hundred thousand doctors who understand integrated medicine. How would you go about training them? Is there a consensus in what they would do in what order? So I, that's the one problem I have. And then the second thing is, you know, is integrative medicine in its current form capable of actually reducing healthcare costs? Because a lot of times with integrative medicine, we're just adding more modalities in, and that's actually increasing the cost rather than reducing the cost. So for me, functional medicine is a prioritization system for integrated medicine. It is integrative, you know, it's a subsection of integrated medicine where there's a reproducible systematic operating system for prioritizing the different integrated medicine interventions. So how do you know whether this person in front of you is going to benefit most from a chiropractic adjustment, an elimination diet, or, you know, or 
um, some supplement regime, there's a there's a system that you go through with each patient that is completely reproducible that every doctor can learn how to do very quickly and that can say okay look this person structural integrity is a problem it seems like you know they may be able to get the biggest improvement in function for the least cost by prioritizing chiropractic care that is you know that is what i think is is necessary there is a there's a system that's needed to be able to to deliver it now Functional medicine has, I think, the best parts of integrative medicine and that it is integrative. It has the best parts of holistic medicine because it is holistic. It has the best parts of naturopathic medicine because you can see from things like the naturopathic therapeutic order that building function should come before, um, you know, drugs and surgery and all that more high risk, high cost interventions. So I, I feel like functional medicine has on it, you know, as a significant strategic advantage, this operating system. And that's why I feel like it will be the thing that allows uh, integrated medicine to make it to the mainstream. Mm. I, I, I want to, I don't know whether this is necessarily a disagreement, but I just wanted to add in this little tidbit of information. This was from Deloitte Access Economics in February 2012 um, in combination with the Complementary Healthcare Council of Australia. The title of the paper was Fish Oils for the Secondary Prevention of Coronary Heart Disease, one of the major, the major killer still in Australia. And I would propose the USA. Cancer's catching up quick, I think. But anyway... Um, and this, yeah, yeah, but we're talking about, so we're talking about heart attack, myocardial infarction, stroke, and, and all of the attendant risks of cardiovascular disease. And we're talking about fish oils. Now we're talking about fish oil supplements. However, I always add that if you look at the studies, they're in fish eating cultures. Um, the, the positive studies are always in fish eating cultures, eat fish and add fish oil supplements in. That's my little bit of advice. But the savings, the healthcare dollar savings were absolutely massive. They would, they alone would be something that could save to a great degree the millions that Australia, the Australian government spends on the purse of the, of the healthcare costs for just cardiovascular disease. Indeed, Bioceuticals was in, involved with a, a trial with the Alfred Hospital. And I think the savings using fish oil, now this was for elective cardiac surgery. So we're talking about valves, um, coronary artery bypass graft, which are called cabbages, that sort of thing. Um, and the saving was something like $2,300 per patient per stay. Now you think about how many operating theatres are doing that sort of thing, how many days they're operating per year, and we're talking millions. That's one hospital. Totally. No, I would say, look, we're, we're in complete agreement. There's no disagreement here at all. I know that integrative, you know, different integrative modalities delivered at different times can great, create huge cost savings in particular issues. I'm, I, you know, there's no doubt in my mind of that. What I would say is that, you know, is that how do you know whether to give fish oil? How do you know whether Ah. fish oil is going to be a beneficial thing? And you need some sort of system to know, like, is it really good when the heart attack is caused by plaque? Is it when it's caused by inflammation? You know, and, and so having some sort of deciding factor. But absolutely, I mean, there's plenty of data in naturopathic medicine showing reduced costs 
of naturopathic interventions from, you know, uh, in certain uh, groups of the population. But sometimes the intervention is like, um, you know, clinics on how to like pick up your bag properly or otherwise mm. because it was a lot of back pain stuff. Yes. So, you know, more than anything, I just think that, you know, integrative medicine has so many things to offer. What I think is necessary in order to capture the value of that and really um, see where you're going. deliver the potential of it is is an operating system that tells you when to do what. Right, and that's the difference with functional medicine. And the functional medicine operating system would probably say, "Hey, if you've got if you're this kind of heart risk patient, or if your numbers are this high or that way, definitely take fish oil." And then you then you convert the value of what you just said and it's delivered. But it may be that, you know, if, um, you know, under different sets of circumstances that you might be able to get an even more cost saving from, you know, something that like CoQ10 in, in that same, in a, in a different patient population. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, you know, so I don't disagree at all. And I completely agree that integrative medicine can deliver that. I see functional medicine as a subset of integrated medicine where there's a prioritization system attached to it. Mm. I, I, do, you're twigging in my brain one of my loves and and frustrations that I see in actually in natural medicine research, and that is that all natural medicine research should have a cost saving attached to it. Because I've seen stuff like, like I spoke about the Alfred Hospital, which was, it showed a cost saving. Um, whereas there was another research that was doing great stuff, um, but using an extremely expensive supplement called SAM-E. And it was just at the doses that were needed, it was cost prohibitive. It was, it was nonsensical to continue the study because nobody could afford it except for millionaires. Like, but. I think it's a, an area that, that it really sorely needs to be looked at, particularly in light, I will add, in that uh, just uh, one or two days ago, there was an attack on complementary medicines by, uh, you know, the Friends of Science in Medicine, which I, I questioned the, the Friends bit because uh, they, they seem to dismiss the want to look for any evidence purely because they say that there's always a financial concern. It's, well, who else is going to pay for the damn research? Nobody else is paying for any da- any research into natural medicine, so therefore you've got a fate to complete, haven't you? Um, so this is one of my pet sort of things that, you know, about looking at the healthcare costs, um, and I just see it as so important. But I've got to ask you, when you're talking about professionals who are starting out they want to change their practice. They want to do functional medicine. What would you say would be the top two, th- two or three things that they've got to do to become successful and and satisfied in their practice to shape their business? Well, look, the first thing is you've got to you've got to plan for longevity. You know, one of the things that that I see is that you know a doctor will go, they'll start sniffing around, they'll go to the local integrative centre. And then that'll be in their mind what the what an integrative or functional medicine center looks like, and then they'll be just trying to build that. And you know what I've tried to share with practitioners is that you know that that typically you know you, you start comparing a, a clinic maybe that's been open for ten years to your clinic, and you say, well, there's no way I could build that. Look how much space there is, and the overhead, and all these people working there. But what they don't see is that ten years ago when that clinic started they typically have some sort of version of what I call the micro practice. Yeah. And the micro practice is the, is the really low overhead practice where you can basically, 
make mistakes and it not to cost you your whole, you know, opportunity. Like if you're going into this and you're going to go into private practice, you know, it's going to take a little bit of capital to get started. Let's make sure we don't waste that all early on. And, you know, while you're still working out how to be an entrepreneur, while you're still working out how to run a private practice, but you don't shoot yourself in the foot to a degree that you have to go back to a job. Because at this moment, there's not that many jobs in mm. functional and integrative medicine. You have to sort of create your own job. Yeah. So yeah. the first thing that I would say is, how much stuff do you really need to build this kind of practice? You know, what I'm seeing now in America is practices where they're literally running off a laptop. And you don't need that much stuff. You know, you can outsource the supplements. You can, you can have, tech, you know, the intake and the EMR stuff can be on a laptop. You know, you, if, and if you could build a practice off a laptop, where does that mean that you can now practice? You know, you know, I've been asked a lot, do you feel like this, the, the centers of health creation in the future are going to be in hospitals? And I'm like, absolutely not. Mm. I don't think they're designed for health creation. I think it's more like no. the centers of new health creation will be more like CrossFit and gyms and co-working spaces and community centers and churches. You know, if you look at where, where health creation is actually happening at scale, it normally has some sort of community side to it. So you look at something like the Daniel Plan and, and the Saddleback Church in America with Mark Hyman, where they realized that this whole church group was having these Bible study meetings on a Wednesday. They had these small groups of people coming together once a week, and they just infused some health into that community, and there was just dramatic changes in healthcare, and it cost nothing. Like, that's the kind of thing that I think we can look at and say, okay, we need to, you know, provide this. So, you know, the, the, the thing that I would say to most practitioners is, you know, you got to think a little bit outside the box. And that's yeah. what I gave so many examples in my book of, like, where should this clinic be? And where, what should be the overhead requirements? Can you take advantage of things like telemedicine, where maybe you don't need to have a clinic five days a week? You could just start one day a week in a physical location seeing new patients and then do follow-ups via telemedicine, which is easier for patients. And it means you can work at home a few days a week. And the overhead is, is approaching zero. Like, do you need someone to be there to book your appointments if there's online scheduling technology? Right. You know, do you even need to have a phone number? Like, you know, some of the most progressive clinics in, in America have no phone number. You can't call wow. them. You wow. can book an appointment through the online scheduler. But like, they're like, look, if I, we want to work with people who are tech savvy, there's enough young people who are tech savvy, they can work out how to do the online scheduler. If you have any questions, you can send us an email, but we're not going to employ someone just to answer your, you know, questions that may or may not be, you know, relevant or otherwise. And so these are some of the thinking processes, like, can we completely rethink the minimum viable product? for a medical clinic. Yeah. And what we'll see is that if you can if you can do that, what you can see is that an MD or GP who's who has a job can start to build this type of practice on a Saturday morning without losing their, you know, without losing any of their um, you know, their uh their income. And now they now they start to see, okay, well they've got a few patients and those patients start getting better. They get a few referrals and then they're like, now let me see if I can renegotiate my contract with you know, my current job. And now they're only working three days a week in their current job. And now they can do their practice the other two days. And they start to titrate to this new practice as it grows. Uh -huh, what, right. I, what I see and what I, what I would really not recommend is just going from being an employed physician to being an entrepreneur physician and jumping in with like two feet and getting a massive space 
and thinking you're going to have a big wellness center and having all of these employees or independent contractors because it's hard enough to learn the new medical operating system, yes. never mind learning how to do marketing, <laughs> learning how to like deal with independent contractors and, and employees. These are all lessons that you're going to have to learn. Let's just learn one lesson at a time. Yeah. Uh, I remember my first forays into functional medicine. It was, you want to treat the gut? <laughs> it was like, you what? <laughs> so there's big leaps in in paradigms that you've got to do if you're an orthodox um, practitioner. If you um if you're going to be integrate, if you're going to be uh, adopting the functional approach, that's for sure. I, I what you're speaking about just smacks of a, a lady. Um, her name's um, Jessica Donovan. I think she's in Adelaide now. But um, she, I think her motivation was because she wanted to travel around Australia with her family and she wanted to develop a system that she could use to basically keep in touch with her patients. It really smacks of this sort of um, a freedom to be mobile, a freedom to practice how you want. Um, but I get your point about my, that migration, that slow migration, particularly if you're an orthodox physician. Um, does yeah, does it's, what it's you're talking about... Yeah, using your time most efficiently. Yeah. Do, does what you're talking about, though, mainly um, apply to GPs, to medical doctors, or can you embrace this with naturopathic physicians as well? Totally. No, absolutely. It's all across the professions. Like, you know, here's the, here's the thing, okay? Let's take one example. If you're a naturopath, if you're a you know a nutritionist, if you're an MD, if you're a GP, whatever, one of the parts of, of functional medicine or integrated medicine that you have to get your head around is that if you want patients to participate in their care, you're going to have to do patient education, right? So you're going to have to do some sort of patient education, and the better the education that you give, probably the better the patient experience and the better outcome. So now you're sitting there going, okay, well, how am I going to deliver this patient education? Now, up until a few years ago, the, the dominant way was you'd book a time and you'd have your appointment and you'd have a long appointment because you had to explain all the stuff during the appointment. So you essentially, you have your hourly rate and then the patient is basically paying you to deliver information in an appointment that one, they're only going to remember five to 10% of, two, you know, that you're, they're paying for your time to do that. And three, if they didn't really remember, there's no way that they can go back and get that information. So, you know, we, we, we teach in our practice accelerator and in our trainings, like, hey, there are much better ways to do this that use, you know, email automation or use groups or use health coaches or other providers that can help to deliver this kind of education so that you can spend the time that you spend with patients doing the work that only you can do and that you, you know, that everything else is sort of farmed out to a combination of technology and other providers. And so, you know, that's, that's the, the way that we're thinking about it, is like how much of this could be automated. Yeah. And if we can automate more and more of the critical processes of running a, running a practice, then, you know, we can create real efficiency and we can make it easier and easier for people to build a successful practice. And essentially, you know, this is the thing. Every time there's a successful transition of a GP into integrated medicine, the ripple effect of that successful transition has a massive impact on patients and their health, but also on other doctors who see 
wow, this guy's got it made. He yeah. works three days from home. Yeah. He's happy. He loves his interactions with patients. He's getting to the root cause of his diseases, you know, the disease he's seeing. Like that is an example that we need many more of. And so what we're trying to do is just to, you know, essentially look out into the industry, see who's doing this best and cross report it to everyone else. So that we can speed up adoption of these, you know, efficiencies. Yeah, I, I have to ask a devil's advocate question, and sure. I, I'm not sure about how applicable this is to America, the American medical system. But in Australia, um, there's real ethical issues with the first consult being a face-to-face consultation where you you examine the patient, you see, speak, engage with the patient, and you do physical examinations as appropriate. Um, I would say that's appropriate for any naturopathic um, uh, um, consultation as well. Um, w- how do you see this fitting into that sort of business model? You know, absolutely. As I just said, you know, like some of the most progressive clinics, they have their in-practice, you know, a visit for the first appointment and maybe other appointments if they need it. But right. then, you know, then they keep up to date. They do follow-ups via yeah. via telemedicine and via digital strategy. So, yeah, look, a big part of that first first appointment is looking at someone face-to-face. There are, you know, cues that you get, um, you know, from being in person. But also, like last month on the Functional Forum, we had a woman, uh, a psychiatrist, who had started a, a group telemedicine psychiatry program where over eight weeks she educated a group of psychiatric patients who were all low-income on you know the fundamentals of health creation, there was some peer-to-peer support over the over the um, telemedicine platform and group support, and you know it was it was very cheap to deliver. The value was off the charts, and there was no physical interaction of anyone in in the process. So wow. that's that's an innovation that she came up with. Now, if we really want to make this available to everyone, you just have to think of it like this, okay? If your fee as a doctor is say $200 an hour and your new patient visit has to be more than an hour or an hour and a half in person, you're automatically throwing up uh, a barrier to entry for people who don't have enough money to throw down $300, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. And that's the question, you know, that's the real question of like, how do we make this available to everyone? And so things like groups, things like provider teams, things like, um, you know, groups, provider teams, and technology are the three things that are, are going to allow uh, structures to be created where everyone has access to this type of care. They may not have access to, you know, a full doctor's appointment in the way that it's being done now, but, you know, this is this is the evolution of medicine. This is medicine adapting to its environment, and one of the in- parts of the environment that it's adapting to is that the payers are running out of money. Yeah. There's not enough money to pay for all of these heart that's and, right. You know, That's exactly right. Forever yeah. and expensive biological drugs for like Humira for uh, you know for autoimmune disease. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a it's a, you know like what you said before about cost. Our biggest the biggest thing that we have going for us in functional and integrated medicine right now is that our ability to get people off medication because expensive medication is one of the biggest drivers of healthcare costs. Mm. And so if you can take a patient and you can get them off a drug like Humira that costs $50,000 a year, just think about the value that you're adding there. And yeah. then just add, you know, then think about type 2 diabetes and then think about heart disease and whatever, go back to your fish oils. The, 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 the reason why we're going to take over 
is because of the value that is offered. And that value-based care equation is the most important equation. And that value-based care equation is the outcome divided by the cost. Yeah. And so we need to find ways to generate much better outcomes at much lower cost. And I think that all the things that we've talked about today are right in that zone. I'll, um, I'll just put a little um, footnote in there for any healthcare system to any listeners out there, certainly in Australia, definitely around the world. And that is that if you think that that drug, like I'm going to take Humira, because I know the actual cost in Australia. I've looked it up. So for somebody who needs that drug, who has Crohn's disease, it costs around that $30 for three vials. That is not the cost to the Australian healthcare system. It costs somewhere between four to $7,000, depending on the dose and the number of vials that you're getting, how many refills, blah, blah, blah. So if you think that it costs $20, $30 for your blood pressure, heart medication, diabetes medication, there are certain ones that are cheap, but there are many, certainly the newer, certainly, as you mentioned before, the um, the immunological type drugs, the um, uh, biologics, then these are extremely expensive drugs in sometimes in the tens of thousands of dollars to our healthcare system. Now, how do you get taxed on that? That's your tax dollar. So from your wage, you lose that and part of that goes to pay for those drugs that that other person gets for their Crohn's disease. And how if we could support a, a, a system of medicine that saved or reduced the need for that those expensive drugs, that's where we save. You save in your tax dollar. It's it's really interesting how people think, oh, no, my, my drugs are cheap. They only cost me $2.50. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's ultimately like I think the adoption of functional medicine will ultimately be like highest where people feel the pain the most of, you know, of those drugs. So like in America right now, one of the most exciting sort of markets for functional medicine is the self-funded employer, right? An employer who's paying their own health insurance for their patients or for their employees because the CEO of that company is literally writing the check for the 10 people on Humira every yeah. month and yeah. the whole check, not the reduced check. And so, you know, are they willing to spend a little bit of money to get those 10 people in a group and have them work with a functional medicine provider to try and get them off? Mm. Hell yeah, they are. Mm. Because otherwise they're going to be spending $500,000 and the, the, there's no like plan with Humera that you're only going to take it for a few months and then come off. No, the plan is no. that you're on it for life. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, when you start turning off the immune system for an extended period of time, it's going to lead to all kinds of other issues that are going to need other drugs. Yeah. So that's where you get this cost spiraling. And, you know, what we, you know, in every other world, when it comes to technology, Moore's law kicks in and you get reduction in cost, but not in healthcare. It's the opposite direction. And so that's what we're trying to instigate is like, what are the structures that can help to reduce costs and improve outcomes? And I think the functional medicine is perfectly uh, placed for that. But we're going to have to get smart about how we deliver it so that it can actually fulfill that potential. So if you're a GP and you're sick and tired of, fulfilling prescription upon prescription for, um, you know, the next drug is to mask a side effect of the previous drug. I remember a lady once I used to deliver her scripts to her when I worked in pharmacy and she, in Australia, you get on the free list once you've had 52 prescriptions. She was on the free list by March. 
26 prescriptions. Wow. Yeah, we got her into hospital and this beautiful physician, Dr. Quinn, I will always remember this man, a physician got her into hospital and four days later this lady was out on four drugs. And, it, you know, it, it totally, that's a healthcare cost saving. So for any doctor that is sick and tired of the symptom covering type polypharmacy um, machine that is happening, I would urge you to attend the uh, James Maskell and the Functional Medicine Micropractice at the Redfern Town Hall, March 25th in Sydney. That's thefutureofmedicine.eventbrite.com.au. Certainly, certainly look at the Australasian Integrative Medicine Association, ama.net.au, and you could attend the um, Reducing Healthcare Costs is the Next Trillion Dollar Opportunity, www myriadmyriad.live. That's March 29 to 31 in Brisbane. I cannot thank you enough. This is really eye-opening stuff, James. Uh, it's no wonder that you're in such demand around the world. I really thank you for joining us and sharing. This is, this is really groundbreaking sort of stuff. So for sharing your ideas um, with our listeners on FX Medicine today. Thanks so much. No problem. Yeah, look, the first thing that I ever said on the functional forum is we need to start acting like we're winning and not acting like we're losing. Yeah. There's definitely an inferiority complex in this space. Yes. And so I would just say to all practitioners, like, this is the future of medicine. And you're just, you just happen to have found out about it before anyone else. And because everyone else made fun of it for that long, they're the ones, you know, they could have had the opportunity to learn about it, but dismissed it. Let's take advantage of that by keeping the heart of medicine that, you know, the, the, the practitioners that provide it do and, and deliver it. And that there's an opportunity to do that right now with this physician-owned functional micropractice model where the physicians who get it first have an opportunity to build an asset for themselves, for their community, for their family that can transform the health of their community. Brilliantly said. This is FX Medicine and I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. This podcast was brought to you by the Australasian Integrative Medicine Association, AMA. If you're loving our FX Medicine podcasts, please don't forget to share us with your colleagues, family and friends. <laughs>